up, everyone? Welcome to episode 122 of the Rotosauce podcast. This is the final installment of the Gridiron Throne. I'm your host. My name is Greg. On the line with me, your co-host for the Gridiron Throne, Jeff Dumont. Jeff, welcome back, man. It's a, it's a somber and wistful yeah. time for, you know, the days when we had Game of Thrones episodes to look forward to. I know. I, I don't know what to do with myself now, man. <laughs> like, what the hell? It's going to be like a year and a half until the prequels come out. We have to start watching sports again. That's that's really what it comes down to. Like, no more skipping, like, hockey and basketball playoff games for Game of Thrones. And uh, I'm okay with it. I, I think, I think yeah. I'll manage. Yeah, right. We got the Warriors in the finals in eight or nine days. We're going to see Milwaukee and Toronto destroy each other for the next five days. And we it's going to be great. We got to live the <laughs> annual tradition of the char- the Sharks choking yes. in the playoffs. The ch- I almost yes. called them the Sharks. I just combined Sharks and choke to one word, and that's yeah. that's what they are. They're the San Jose Sharks. Like, they're the Sharks. <laughs> God, will they ever win? Like it's no. it's a it's obscene. It was now or never. It was Thornton. I wanted to see Thornton against Boston so bad against his old team. And, and like seriously, this is like their best chance. They were playing better than they ever had before. You lose to freaking St. Louis. St. Louis was like two hundred to one to win the cup just in like January. They were the worst team in hockey last year. Dude, what but, the if fuck? You, but if you watch that series, they were so much better than the Sharks in those games. Like they yeah. were just out skating them, like out handling the puck. Like it, this is not a hockey podcast. Sorry, we are here no. to talk about Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. And that's all we're right. going to talk about today, despite the fact that we just had a minor hockey tangent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the whole point of this is going to be Thrones. Uh, we are not going to talk any football, so if you came here expecting some amount of football talk like you, uh, you've had on previous episodes, apologies. Uh, come back next week. Uh, episode 1, 2, 3, uh, countdown, count up uh, to uh, one more uh, sports episode coming up there, some special announcements uh, next week. Anyway, Thrones... Let's just kick things off. Let's get it out of the way. You crushed me in the next character to die draft. The final score was 16 to 7. Although I I did get the final point. So if I was one of those douchebags on the pickup basketball court or the pickup soccer team who, like, (laughs) when they're down by 10 points, throws out, like, "Uh, next next point wins. You You know that person, right? Yeah, always, yeah. Well, thanks for showing up. I'm glad you got one point. I mean, you hear about the Warriors lo- losing a 3-1 lead. You you lost a 5-1 lead. <laughs> so, yeah, it was nice. It was nice to kick your ass yet again in another league. <laughs> yeah, it seems like every time we do these small-scale things, like we did one for the fantasy playoffs that you crushed us in, you, you've crushed me in this, although I'm still not convinced that you weren't, like, looking at the deep Reddit leaks <laughs> on Game of Thrones to crush me in this draft. I, I wasn't. You just let me stack all those people in King's Landing. You know, one thing... <laughs> One thing I will say about your draft, it was a very, like, process over results draft, and I appreciate that. Like, you started off with Yara and Grey Worm in your first three picks, and Barrett Dondarrion, and, like, yes, all three of those characters were, like, easy assumptions to eat eat it in this series, or in this season, and unfortunately, Barrett was the only one who died, but you maintained a good process through the rest of the draft, targeting yeah. those King's Landing characters, and it paid off for you. So, uh, congrats to you. <laughs> my, my draft went off the rails in, like, the fourth, fifth, or sixth round when I took Brienne, Jan, Royce, and Podrick Payne. Like, yeah, I, I assume that because those characters were so meaningless, they would have to die at some point. But, and not Brienne, but the other two. What turned out happening is they were so meaningless that they didn't even belong on the screen. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, they knighted Brienne. I was starting to think they're going to kill her, too. And she was in, like, the front like the, the front flank with Jamie. I was like, oh, shit, they're both going to die. That was, but, a, yeah. that was a really good subversion of expectations, I think. Uh, I, I In hindsight, I really appreciate that they didn't kill her off because it seemed like they were steering towards that. It seemed obvious that she might die. And the fact that she survived, I think, was pretty cool. Yeah, it's Brianna Todd. If you can't kill the one and only knight, a woman knight in the entire series in, in Song of Ice and Fire, like, yeah, Brianna's a badass. I love her. So, yeah, anyway, back to the draft. Uh, you crushed me 16 to 7, but if we're playing by the douchey last point wins rule, then I win. <laughs> so, I mean, I call it a draw. You know, it's a tie. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> if, it makes, if it makes you sleep better at night. <laughs> what, uh, what else stood out to you from the series finale, The Iron Throne? Um, man, uh, I, I like the way a lot of it went down. The John and Danny death scene was pretty amazing. Drogon melting down the Iron Throne. The Iron Throne that was made by Dra- Dragonfire and all those, like, thousands of swords, apparently. But, you know, there was, like, 30 of them in the show. But but uh, the, the fact that he melted down the Iron Throne and, and went away with Danny, that was amazing. That's what really is going to stand out. Uh, like, yeah. 
<laughs> so how the hell did a dragon actually make the Iron Throne? Because you think about how, I mean, does does Drogon have like a, a heat setting on that dragon branch? Yeah. Like, because it seemed like it seems like there's only one setting, if you know what I mean. And yeah. when he turned his breath on the throne itself, it just turned into a puddle of goo. Like, I mean, was he just was the dragon who built the throne like just kind of like softly, yeah. fuh, fuh, just like little bursts to like slowly yeah. heat up? The, anyway, we're getting yeah. off into the weeds it, it, here. It, it was on low medium heat, you know, instead of medium high. You know, <laughs> I think it was Balon. It was Aegon the Conqueror's dragon. I think it was uh, Balon. I think. Balon the Dread. <laughs> Balon the Dread, yes. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's an interesting question. Yeah, can they turn it down? Like, what the hell? <laughs> so as you alluded to, and as maybe I should have mentioned when I was talking about our draft, Daenerys was the only character to die in episode six here. And I'm curious, do you think that we should have seen more characters die? Maybe not even in this final episode, but in the series or the season as a whole? Like, it seemed like our expectations overall were subverted. Like we expected, you know, mass destruction and they definitely killed off a lot of characters, but it was a little bit more select if, if, or do you not feel that way? No, I feel that way. I feel like a lot of the more minor characters died. Of course. Yeah. Danny died, but yeah, I would have liked to have seen like, like when Danny died, when John stabbed Danny, shouldn't the gray worm try to fight and kill John or, or like if John was on trial for the murder of his queen, he, I feel like he should have he should have done a trial by combat and he should have fought uh, Grey Worm like head to head. That would have been fucking amazing, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, but uh, yeah. What they really did was they protected the utmost like high level characters. They protected yes. all of the Starks that were left. They protected uh, Tyrion, uh, but Daenerys had to go. So they they really only killed off one of like the key heroes of the show uh, between like Bran, John, Tyrion, Danny, and. Arya and Sansa like the only one of those characters who died was Daenerys and I guess you could throw Jamie in there but ultimately yeah. he gave he got to do his like final villain turn and leave Brienne so like I think as soon as he did that he cashed his own check but yeah otherwise all of like the heroes of this story like the the key characters survived and I I don't know man like give me a little bit more conflict give me a little bit more drama yeah. like I didn't necessarily want any one of those specific characters to die because I really do like them but I, I kind of like thrones when it hurts me you know what i mean and i'm surprised they didn't do more of that because i mean if anything daenerys also got to do this complete evil turn like there was no sympathetic death here if you know what i mean like i guess jamie and cersei if you were shipping them like gets there but i wasn't really sympathetic for him based upon what he did to brienne i wasn't sympathetic to daenerys based upon how many millions of people she murdered so like where was that like really high drama in the last episode i don't think it was really there yeah, it was a little too happy of an ending. Like, yeah, yeah, Danny died, but Arya got to sell West. Uh, I mean, uh, Sansa got to be queen. Uh, John, really, for murdering his queen, he got it. He got he made out really well. He gets to chill at the Night's Watch where there's nothing to watch with his dog and his best friend. Like, that's a pretty good uh, sentence that he had. So, yeah, I feel like he was pretty happy. A lot of the main characters like got what they wanted. Bran's the king. Apparently, he wanted to be king all along, and. uh yeah, Tyrion lived, you know, Davos. Bronn is one of the biggest uh, winners, uh, too, of the episode. He got the reach, and now he's master of coin. Like, damn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's just, doing good. Just in general, I, I guess I'm overall surprised they didn't kill more people earlier in the series, too. And I mean, just maybe yeah. they all didn't need to die in the finale, but I'm surprised there wasn't more kind of big shocking death like through the series because like you said a lot of these characters really ended up being expendable or just kind of like oh it's cool they survived but we didn't really need him or her and yeah i don't know i thought that was interesting um yeah what did you think about the episode split into essentially two primary acts there's pre daenerys getting murdered and post her getting murdered like what did you think about that structure I kind of liked it. They, it. It seemed like they really sped up the post. You know, they only had like an hour and a half to work with. And like after like 40 minutes, like Daenerys died. And I was like, oh, here's the end of it. Uh, I, I, I liked it. It was weird that Tyrion was taking control of who should be king. Like he's the prisoner. <laughs> he's wearing <laughs> like, manacles. Yeah. Like, like maybe an Edmure comes up. I, I love all the random cameos. How about Robin Aaron being like, like what's like 12 years older? That's your boy. <laughs> yeah, he's my boy. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted him to die. Suckled at but, your uh, teeth. He got that uh, that milk, man. Does the body good? <laughs> yeah, but, I, um, I really yeah. did. I truly enjoyed the first act. I, I thought, you yeah. know, from the opening credits where they didn't have the sigil above the throne, I thought that was cool. 
I really enjoyed that scene where Tyrion was, you know, smashing bricks with his dead siblings, kind of like Cousin yeah. Orson smashing beetles. Yes, it's and... one of the best, episodes, the best parts of the entire series. I love that scene. And the the sequence leading up to Daenerys's speech atop those steps was tense. It was like really pretty to look at, but it was you know dark and ominous at the same time. Like that kind of tension and that vibe that they sowed through that first kind of like evil empire rising scene, yeah. I thought was great. Like I really loved everything leading up to that moment. The fact that she gave the kind of Darth Vader or Emperor speech, yeah. I was, I, I really actually needed that after what she did in the previous episode. Like, I love that she just went full evil. You know what I mean? Like, let yeah. her be the bad guy, like the actual bad guy for, I guess it, it ended up being what, like 40 minutes, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still, like, I, th- I really appreciated that. And so, like, that first act really worked for me. I really enjoyed all of that. But I, I don't know, like, when I think about my problems with this episode, it really was like that whole second act was was the issue that I had, or that's where my issues stem from. Or I mean, maybe a better way to put it is that they skipped over the second act and just went straight to the third act. Like, yeah, they like you said, they robbed us of that fallout after Danny's murder. Like, I, right. I find it really hard to believe that Grey Worm wouldn't just kill John and or Tyrion. Like, maybe both of them. You know what I mean? After what right. happened to his queen, but instead they just fade to black and then they bring us back to you know Tyrion still imprisoned with a bigger beard. And he's just awaiting this audience of nobles. They cut out so much plot. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck? Exactly. And who is it for Grey Worm to, like... He doesn't know anybody in Westeros. He doesn't know all these lords and ladies. Like, he's going to listen to them. He would have just taken... He would have killed them right away. But, yeah, there needed to be some scenes in between. Absolutely. Yeah, like, after being ready to murder Jon so that he could kill Lannister soldiers... He just became a total pushover in that council scene. And I don't understand that at all because the only person he was loyal to was the woman who got murdered by his prisoner. (laughs) Like, ah, it doesn't make any sense. And I I like that you brought up Edmure Tully. Like, I liked those angles, (laughs) you know, the angle of that joke with him uh, or like Sam suggesting a democratic vote and all these rich snobs laughing in his face. Like, (laughs) Maybe I should get my horse to vote too. (laughs) uh, Man, God, that, that is like eerily poignant that that sort of shit but um i'm not gonna get into that i just had a right. hard time dealing with the fact that brand becoming king like wasn't met with any opposition or at least like some discussion you know what i mean like seriously no one yeah. felt the need to mention that john was the legitimate heir to the throne no one wanted yeah. to stump for sansa even a little bit like one line right. well what about sansa she's older than bran and like has all this yeah. experience and she actually might want to do it like the fact that, like you said, Tyrion was just kind of orchestrating this discussion. Like, he brought up one idea, and everybody's just like, yep, got to agree. You don't have time to do anything else, because there's only 15 minutes left in the show. Like, yeah. so convenient, and so, like, I, I just feel robbed of, like, so much potential intrigue and plot with this last episode, but with the mm-hmm. last two seasons in general. Like, and we, we've been yeah. harping on that through every episode of this series we've done. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, everything is so sped up. Like, it was... So obvious. It, it's like it looked like Santa wanted to be queen. Like you, right. I like how Steph. One good thing I like it was self-referential. It was like, oh, sure. what's one thing that I could carry out? It's a you know like a good story. You know, a song of ice and fire. You know, so uh, yeah, they just sped up so much. And don't I don't agree. get me wrong. I am very okay with all that kind of like romantic happy ending stuff. I just want to see them show their work. I want to see the mm. space between that they cut out, and that's my right. ultimate beef here because they didn't show us you know, Grey Worm getting talked into letting John live. They didn't show yeah. us, you know, all the, the discussions of those characters coming down to King's Landing and what it all means, you know what I mean? Like, because they would yeah. have had some great discussions and arguments on the road from Winterfell down south. Like, that's yeah. the stuff that the show always did really well, and we just didn't mm-hmm. get that in the final episode. And I understand why, like, the timing of it is really hard, but I, I don't know, I feel like we're being too negative. Let's talk about what we actually <laughs> liked in this episode, because I did enjoy... Most of it, like I said, the first act was was on point for me. And then, like I said, I appreciate what they tried to do in the second half. It was just, there were certain things that bugged me. Anyway, what was your yeah. favorite aspect of this episode? Well, my favorite part was the was the throw melting. I already talked about that. But it had very much like Kingslayer vibes to it. Like when Jamie Lan- when uh, Ned Stark came up into the throne room yeah. and K- Jamie Lannister was on the throne. I was like, as soon as I saw John walk in, 
it looked just like the flashback of Jamie about to kill kill the Mad King. I, I, I thought that was fucking awesome. Um, but yeah, th- th- that whole part was was amazing. Just watching it melt down, and uh, I liked Arya going west. I love Arya so much. My two favorite characters are Arya and Jamie. And so Arya doing what she wanted to do, what's west of Westeros, getting that map, just selling west, being free, you know, the lone wolf, you know, type of thing. So it was a few things that I did like. Yeah, I mean, I liked plenty. I think the thing that really stood out to me was Drogon. Like you mentioned the burning of the throne. That was great. I just, I mean, this is one area where you see the, the show paying off, right? They, they put a lot of money into CGI and it looks great. Yeah. Like I really enjoyed the shot of Drogon spreading his wings and taking off, mm-hmm. you know, as Danny was walking up to the steps. Uh, I really like the moment yeah. when he stirred from under that blanket of snow or ash or whatever yeah, the hell cool. it is. Like, are yeah. we supposed to know whether it was snow or ash? Sidebar. Right. <laughs> I think it, I think it's supposed to be ash, but it very much looked like snow. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like at that point it probably could have been snow. Anyway, I, I really yeah. like that scene. Like, that was cool. Like, I'm a dog owner that was just like, oh, there's there's my dog hiding under a blanket. And, yeah. <laughs> and I just, I do appreciate kind of the remaining mystery of dragons. I thought that was done well and is still intriguing to me. Like, Drogon's reaction to Danny's death like was super heartbreaking and terrifying. I and I wish I could understand his reasons for letting John live, but I, I'm okay yeah. with not getting that. Um also we just have to assume that Drogon took Danny's body back to Valyria, right? Yes. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. They were about to say it, but they didn't actually finish it. Uh finish like their sentence. Yeah, I think yeah, it has to be Valeria. Valeria seems to be like the place where Drogon like hanging out, like when Tyrion and Jorah were were just floating around there, you know. So yeah, go back to her ancestral home. I mean, yeah, that's home for them. So, um, I mean, that was one unanswered question for me. Were there any other prominent or nagging unanswered questions for you, Jeff? Uh, yeah, I was wondering, like, like it seems like Bran's in-game was to be king all all along. Like, when he said, he's like, that's why I'm here. So he allowed Daenerys to, to commit genocide, essentially. And, it, it, like, he gave that da- cat's paw dagger to Arya to kill the Night's King just so the next war can happen. I don't know. It, it feels like I'm sure the the show wasn't trying to portray it that way, but it does feel like Bran was truly playing the Game of Thrones, and he let all this stuff happen for him to become king because he knew that Tyrion was going to nominate him, and everyone's going to be like, "Sure, why the hell not?" So you, yeah, you either know. win or you die. Yeah, you win or you, when you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have a lot to say about Bran, but I'm going to save that for a later question. That was my kind of big unanswered question as well, and I want to talk more about that later, but. For now, when you look back at the show's ending in five or ten years, do you think you're going to be satisfied with it or not? Oh, man. Um, I, I don't know. It's going to be a lot like, like uh, I never watched it, but, but Lost. I feel like a lot of people still to this day talk about the Lost ending being bad. Yeah. Um, I'm going to feel like it's, it's the best show I've ever seen, but they ended so abruptly. They really should have had ten seasons of ten episodes per season, but they cut it off at 73, 72, 73 I think. And uh, they just, they were so abrupt because the actors probably just wanted to go do their own thing. They were doing it for 10 years. And a lot of these actors and actresses are in their early 20s. So, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm going to go back thinking that, yeah, it was the best episode, best, best series ever until season seven. <laughs> yeah, I hate to say it, but I think it kind of depends on the books for me and if and when yeah. they are released. Like, if we don't get the books to fill in the blanks, I think I'm ultimately going to be unsatisfied by the finale of the TV show. Because I won't have the answers that I'm looking for in some fashion. Uh, and maybe the answers are that the ending is so different that like, it is clear that the showrunners had no idea what they were doing. And that would at least feel better to me. Because it would give them a bit more of an excuse for kind of dropping the ball in these last couple seasons. Right. like Or not dropping the ball, but again, just kind of rushing things. You know what I mean? Playing too fast. But yeah, I think that's what it's going to hinge on for me. I think ultimately... I, I will be overall satisfied by the show for sure. Um, the finale, I mean, probably not. I mean, I did watch Lost, and while I don't think the Lost finale is nearly as bad as other people would say it is, I do have my issues with it. I do think that like they could have tied it up in a more interesting or, I don't know, expl- explanatory way, like one that mm-hmm. like made more sense to more people, even if it was like a dumb explanation. I think that's why people really had a beef with the Lost ending was that... Uh, what they tried to go for, I feel like was hard to understand. And that was a problem. I think they oversimplified things with Thrones a little bit. Like it's just kind of everyone lives happily ever after. But speaking of the season as a whole, like we've talked a lot about this one episode, what overall did not work for you in season eight? Um, I mean, they talked so much about John's family heritage and being a Targaryen. And in the end, it was just, it was just purely a vessel for, for um for Danny to be mad at him, you know, for being a Targaryen, being the rightful heir, 
And they were talking about Danny being pregnant, possibly, and that never paid off. Uh, I don't know. Um, so I, I didn't like that. I didn't like Arya. I didn't use her faceless man skills at all, you know. Um, so uh, it, it, those kind of things. Yeah, this is where I want to get back to Bran because he really was the biggest problem with this season for me. You you touched on a lot of it already, but what are the extents of his power? What are his motivations? The show didn't give us any answers on that sort of stuff, and somehow he's the character who becomes king. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, we need to right. know more about this guy before we just give him the crown. Like, that's... Especially because he plays such a crucial role. Like you said, like, if he is omniscient and if he can see the future, then that yeah. makes him just as bad as all the other bad guys on this show, if not worse. Because he... Yeah. He's complicit to Danny burning King's Landing. He's complicit to mm-hmm. so many other horrible, horrible things. And I understand that, you know, a lot of that happened, you know, before he discovered his powers, the Three-Eyed Raven. So, like, we can't go back to, like, season three or season four and litigate Bran. But in this final season, we sure can. And right. with that in mind, like, give me more. I needed more explanation to what he was doing this entire time because he was mostly just sitting around staring off into distance like a blind person. Like, yeah. It's a bad sign when every time a character comes on screen, my wife laughs out loud and just like giggles because he <laughs> looks ridiculous. Like he's so bad. I'm I'm going to go now. Oh my god! Like fucking Brand. I, if they would have showed just one like one scene of him like showing his cards and him being evil and be like, yes, they did this the whole time, I would have been like, yes, like Emperor Palpatine and in, in you know episode one, you know. But uh, I'm wondering <laughs> if they were going for something really high level, and the fact that he had that line like, why do you think I came down here? Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe that is supposed to be the like the wink wink nudge nudge that we needed to understand or realize that Bran was a bad guy. You know what I mean? Like maybe they wanted to keep it subtle. Yeah, I, I mean I can appreciate that, but don't. I almost like I can't stand that they saved it for the last half hour of the show. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, the more I'm talking about it out loud and thinking about it, like <laughs> what, what if that was just like some sort of masterstroke? The problem was is that like they didn't. <laughs> Again, they didn't, like, show why he had that motivation. Like, what makes him want to become yeah. king? Like, do we have right. to kind of extrapolate it back to the fact that, you know, his whole family was murdered? Like, that the Lannisters killed his father, and then they killed his brother, and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. Like, give him, like, one or two lines to be like, you know, before I became the Three-Eyed Raven, all I cared about was ending the Lannister line, or something like that. I mean, <laughs> that's been Arya's gig this whole time, but, like, if those were truly Bran's motivations... Like, we need some hint at that, at least a little bit. And we never got that before the final episode, before that one line. You know when, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I wish they would have had anything. Brand, Brand is just the fucking worst, man. Like, I hate that he is the king. Like, what the fuck? I wish Jamie Lannister just would have finished the job. <laughs> I mean, he was the true king slayer, like before, like he was even king. He was playing three D chess. Oh, that's so harsh. That's great. I mean, yeah. So that that was my brand issue, and yeah. the other thing that didn't work for me. Getting back to the structural issues with the show, and it's been you know well documented by us on this podcast and many of the show's other fans. But it, back to the pacing thing, like the pacing of season eight and season seven, for that matter, was horrendous. Like. I half expect that maybe someday we'll get some sort of extended edition season eight Blu-rays to kind of fill in the yeah. gaps. We're like, remember when the Lord, the Lord of the Rings movies hit DVD and they just suddenly oh, yeah. were all like half an hour longer because the source material yeah. was there. They just didn't use it. Like right. it felt like so much was missing from these final two seasons of Game of Thrones. I just yeah. like wanted to let the story and the characters breathe like they did in those first five or six seasons. And I mean, yeah. maybe I'm being naive about it. Like, maybe patching up the existing holes would have led to other like separate problems that they couldn't solve. I don't know. It's just like, like I said before, like I felt like they willingly avoided showing their work and that made the story feel disjointed and even like a little cheap to me at times. And that, that really bugged me. Yeah, man. Yeah. It, it bugged me too. You're right. After rewatching the entire um, series, like a couple months ago, it was amazing how slow the season one through season six really were, and now like how how sped up season seven and eight were. They they truly needed at least twenty more hours of 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 filming, pretty much to completely do the rest of the story. I would have like, I mean, taken five more hours. You know what I mean? Like yeah, just a little I, bit more. Yeah. Just the more internal conflict by Danny. Like, why did she become Adolf Hitler? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, the slow parts of those first few seasons were what made, like, the fast, crazy parts great. You know what I mean? It's like one of those yeah. bands that you listen to that's, like, quiet, and then they blow everything out for, like, the crescendo of the song. And that's what previous Game of Thrones seasons were like. And 
these more recent seasons were just like, I, I mean, t- I'm trying to carry the music analogy forward, but it's basically just mm-hmm. like a pop song. Like that's all it is. It's yeah. Just, here's the pop culture notes we have to hit. Yep. Uh, fan service, fan service, fan service, plot, yep. plot, plot. That's like an only critical plot. You know what I mean? It's like, keep those songs tight, keep them down to like three uh-huh. and a half to four minutes at most. And yep. I mean, <laughs> it, I'm sorry, the best music, you know, breathes a little bit more than that. Yeah, absolutely. You need a good five minute song every now and then. Yeah, it's so true. Gotta have the chorus within 20 seconds, you know, otherwise people will stop paying attention. Yeah. That's what happened. It, it was more for the casual viewers, it seemed, this season and last season. Yeah, and I mean, that is the challenge of making this show, right? Is because they're trying to appease all those people and ultimately the ones they really have to appease are the more casual viewers because that's the that's the majority of people right like those are the people who aren't as invested as you or i or anybody else who might have read the books or like just really geeked out on this show so i mean i i understand the difficulty and what i'm i'm wishing they would have done uh i'm just i don't know picking some nits like saying what i didn't like about it so let's spin it the other way let's Mm -hmm. talk about what did work and I'll, i'll start off here and i'm gonna echo your aria sentiment like aria was great in season eight like her arc made sense she picked her battles in a way that was like really true to her character. Like I I thought that she really stood out to me as something that they hit out of the park in this season. And I will always appreciate that. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah, I love that. She was the hero. That that was a good thing. Like subverting expectations. I love that. She was the one that ended the long night, killed the night King out of nowhere. I didn't expect that at all. Everyone is expecting it to be a one-on-one John versus the night King. And I just, I fucking loved Arya was the true hero of the story. And, um, yeah, man, Arya is amazing. I love her. Uh, some, some things I liked, um, let's see. Uh, I like uh, the music. I mean, the special effects yes. in the music. R- Ramin, um, Jawadi was incredible. And specifically in that episode, Long Night, was just amazing to rewatch it and just turn it up. It was fucking great, man. Um, so yeah, I, I like how they resolved a lot of things. I love how they resolved the Night King, John, John and Cersei. Clegane Bowl. Bowl was uh, legit, yeah. It was amazing, yeah. That was the one thing, that was, like, one, like, fan, like, theory that came to, like, it was as good as I ever wanted it to be, and I was, I was hyping up for it for the past eight or nine years, so, yeah, it was great. Yeah, in addition to Arya, the other thing on my list here is, you know, the cinematography, music, and just the raw aesthetics of the show, like, despite the accidental inclusions of coffee cups and water bottles, like, television is rarely... (laughs) looked or sounded this good if ever like i i just don't know if shows will ever look this awesome i'm sure they will you know what i yeah. mean but this did feel like spectacle and i feel like they crushed it like they made it look really good they made it sound really good the the acting itself was also very good like all, all of my issues structurally with the show and like about how the show was made is more just about the pacing and how they tried to cram too much into too tight a window what they did cram in was fine. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I am okay with the show that they put out there. I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm going to live with it and appreciate it for what it was. But I, mm-hmm. like I said, I just wanted a little bit more and I feel like they, they, they cheapened it a little bit by not giving us those extra moments that I, I think really could have driven it home. But yeah, I, yeah. in terms of how it looked in terms of the performances, like t- I, I don't know if TV is going to look this good in quite some time. Like yeah. I'm, I'm really skeptical. Yeah, I agree. Like, I hope the prequels will, like, build off on it. At least maybe they'll, they'll come back to a lot of these sets that they've already made. And, uh, but yeah, hopefully it's, is, it, hopefully it will be as good, but it's gonna, it's gonna be a tough, uh, tough thing to live up to, you know, for anybody else. I've been watching uh, Chernobyl and Chernobyl's amazing. Every time I watch it, I'm like, this isn't Game of Thrones, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I gotta check that out. You think it's good? Yeah, it's really good. Okay, it, it's yeah, a trip. Yeah, I highly recommend. Yeah. I feel like I, my a... my like queue of shit that I'm supposed to watch or need to watch it like just gets bigger all the time. Like I can never chip away at it. It's like podcast too. So uh, just yeah. as a sidebar, I appreciate anybody who's listening to this podcast right now because there's so many goddamn podcasts that I mean you can go down any number of rabbit holes into any number of topics, and the fact that you're willing to listen to the two of us talk about Game of Thrones is yeah. is pretty sweet. So uh, thank you, listeners. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, let's go back to let's get back to the show. Give me a quick uh, power rankings of the seasons. Where does season eight stack up against the rest of the show for you? <laughs> I got eight as number eight, the very bottom. How about you? <laughs> I have seven at the bottom and eight right above it. So okay. the, I think that the last two seasons were the two worst, and I did like this season yeah. more than season seven. I have seven as seven too. So I, I, I like um, I like, I, uh, the spoils of war was really good, and uh, dragon dragon the wolf was really good for uh, season seven. And uh, but yeah, vote sex the whole uh, the whole thing was. It was pretty cool when season seven, the very last episode is number 707. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that there were more iconic moments in this last 
season than in season seven. So that, that matters a little bit more to me, I guess. I, it is a kind of subtle distinction because they kind of feel like one season to me because they were both compressed. They were both shortened. Yeah. Uh, I, and because they both had those pacing issues, but I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do like the most recent one more. Maybe it is just recency bias, but now's when things get tough. Your top six, uh, <laughs> and let's start at the bottom. Which season do you have is the sixth best? My sixth best is season two. Specifically, for, uh, Blackwater was amazing. That was one of the top ten episodes of the entire series, probably. But, uh, yeah, I got season season two. It's a little slow. You know, I like uh, Tywin became a big character then. And, uh, yeah, it, it was good. Yeah, a lot of people will probably have season two much higher than number six. But that's what I got. I only have it one spot higher. My number six was season five. Uh, and, I mean, no real good reason. Like, if you ask me, like, seasons one and two and five and six are all kind of right yeah. here in a tier and you could rank any of them between third and sixth as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, yeah. I think the reason I like season two more than season five was the degree of difficulty with the second season in general. Like I think after you've had that iconic first season, the one that hooks everyone and mm-hmm. the one that's based very heavily on source material, like yeah. to spin that forward and start making it more of your own as a show maker, I think is that's got to be really tough. Like I and I, I think you see this in other culture, like pop culture as well. Like the second Dune book is the worst Dune book in my opinion, and the second, the second Ender's Game book is the worst one I think. And yeah. so, like along those lines, I think I actually want to give the show more credit because I really did like season two, and they and despite the fact that it must have been really hard, so. I, yeah. I liked it, I think, more for that reason. And season five, like, again, it was it was fine. It was good. Like, I mean, it, it wasn't good. It was great. Like, again, yeah. all four of these ones in my second tier were great. But, uh, yeah, season five is is just arbitrarily the lowest on my totem pole today, you know? Yeah, it, ma- it makes sense. Like, with sequels, too. Like, like uh, Back to the Future 2 is probably the worst of the three. Um, like, in the second in Indiana Jones was probably the worst. Right. But uh, it, it's just hard to follow up on something so iconic. It began so good in season one. And yeah, that's hard. Season five is, is right there with my number five for me, too. So, like you said, it's interchangeable five and six. Uh, season five specifically, I loved Hard Home. That's that's a top five episode for me. Uh, I like the, um, um, the the Walk of Shame that Cersei had. <laughs> it was pretty fun. Uh, John dying at the end of that, at the very very end of that season was pretty cool. Uh, Jorah and Tyrion um, starting time at the boat in Valeria, seeing Drogon. I thought there's some pretty cool stuff with that. But uh, but yeah, season five kind of. I mean, they had the the Sand Snakes were like. It's, such a big part of season five and that's that's the first time that game of thrones like people are like whoa what's what's going on like they really fucked up dorn it seems all right so i number four on season one uh season one is so iconic i've watched that season more than anything else because and before every all eight seasons i rewatch everything so i've rewatched season one by like 10 or 11 times so um Baylor was incredible. Baylor was the beginning of Game of Thrones being Game of Thrones. It went from like a traditional fantasy story. I've never watched any of that. I've never watched Lord of the Rings. I never watched Harry Potter. Like uh, as soon as I saw Baylor season uh, episode nine, of season one, that got me fucking hooked. They killed the main character. Like what the fuck? Ned Stark is dead. What the hell? I thought I thought Cripples, Bastards, and Broken Things was also an amazing episode. Pretty much everything is so iconic from one through nine. Or one through ten, like every single, even Danny at the very end, walking into the fire, the unburnt, like coming coming out with three dragons. That fucking man, it's so iconic. Season one, but yeah, that's number four on um, for my top rankings. <laughs> so I had I had season six there, and yeah. again, I I think that one, six, three, and four are all great. Uh, but yeah, six for me is kind of lowest on the total pool here. Like I have one season one at number three because of. Mm-hmm the appreciation I had for it as a book reader and as something that was just like, you go back and rewatch it. It is a slow burn and it's like a lot of conversations in rooms. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like I I love that part of this show and I really appreciate all the subtle stuff they did in those first few episodes to kind of set people up for the long game of the series all the while knowing that that Baylor moment is coming. Right. And I knew that was coming too. And so in the show, I'm like, man, this is paced so deliberately and they're really Mm -hmm. trying to string it out until ned gets his head chopped off and when it does like the people who haven't read the books they're gonna lose their minds and like like, (laughs) watching it the first time i was hype about that re-watching it it's like just so masterfully done that i i think that season one has to be number three for me uh season six i did appreciate like 
I think the Battle of the Bastards is actually a little overrated. It might uh, be. I yeah. I think my my biggest issue with it is just how dumb of a plan it was. Uh, <laughs> you know, the fact that they needed the Knights of the Vale to to save them when like. Why didn't they just figure that out ahead of time? Like Sansa right. could have said, "Hey, why don't I get the Knights of the Vale, and then we'll actually have a shot." And at that point, it's yeah. like, "Ah, oh, man." John like, would have been like, "Okay, <laughs> right." It's like, "Oh, I can do I can that. Great, let's do yeah. that." You know, and so and, and a little silly too. Like the anyway, like I think a lot of the big battle scenes to me are a little overrated. Um, yeah, I, I think Hard Home actually fits that criteria a little bit. Like I, I really like that sequence, but I feel like people remember that episode as like one big long epic battle like watches on the wall like battle of the bastards but it wasn't really like it was just kind of like an awesome sequence at the end of a certain episode and this, the other stuff in that yeah. episode was good but you know what people think is so great about hard home is only like half an hour or 20 minutes or whatever you know what i mean yeah it was like the last 20 minutes yeah yeah, exactly. The the first like forty minutes of the episode was just eh, it's another Game of Thrones episode. It was just so so amazing when I watched it the first time. I was like, "What? Valerian Steel can kill a White Walker? That's amazing!" It, it, but it did seem a lot like a Walking Dead episode, if any, if anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. Don't get me wrong; like it's up there. Yeah. And Battle of the Bastards yeah. was, was cool too. But again, like I, I think that those types of set pieces are often overrated. Now, one yeah. case where I don't think that that one was overrated was Watchers on the Wall. I've talked about this with you already, but like on yeah. a previous show, like when I was doing my most recent rewatch, when I got to that episode, like I literally mm-hmm. got goosebumps and chills watching yeah. it again. I'm like, man, this is the greatest. Like this is probably maybe not my favorite episode of the show, but the one that like really brought me back into like peak hype for the series. But um, I'm jumping yeah. ahead. Uh, you yeah, had <laughs> season one as your fourth best. What did you have third best? Third, I had season three as number three. Um, just because of the range of casting, we're going to talk about another another giant twist. I think George R. R. Martin was talking about three big twists to the show. And, like, the first twist was Reigns of Casimir, then, then the door. And then I think the third twist probably was Danny Turney, Breaking Bad. But, um, yeah, season three, was like uh, it was good. I love the climb. The climb was a very underrated episode. And going yeah. up the wall, that was very cool. Uh, but Reigns of Casimir makes it. I mean, that that's really the signature of the entire show, pretty much, is, is Reigns of Casimir. That, that's amazing. They killed off, like, half of an entire house. That, that was cool. Yeah, that had some of my just favorite moments too. Like all the John and Wildling stuff was really great. Like, like you said, the climb was awesome. Once they get back over the wall, those moments are really tense and and pretty exciting. Uh, and again, Watchers on the Wall is one of my favorite episodes. So yeah, se- season three or no, Watchers on the Wall was season four, huh? Season four, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, so, season four. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love season three. That's actually my my top one. I, I've I've got that most mostly because of the Red Wedding, like that. All, all that stuff I talked about earlier with, you know, Ned Ned Stark getting his head chopped off, like, just multiply that, like, times a thousand, and that's what the Red Wedding was. Like, watching that season, like, knowing yeah. it was coming, it was a delight. Like, I, I, I still just have fun thinking about it. But, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, what do you too. have? So, number two, you had uh, season six. We've talked about that. Uh, let's yeah. talk about season four. It was your favorite. It was my second yeah. favorite. Uh, what did you like about season four? Uh, season four was amazing. It had it had the mountain versus the viper. That was fucking badass. Yeah. And right, I mean, that was the best one on one battle I've ever seen in anything. Um, so th- that was fun. Uh, the very next episode after mountain, mountain versus viper was Watchers on the Wall, and like we already talked about that, incredible. And the very next episode after that was Tywin dying. So on Father's Day, they uh, they, they aired the episode <laughs> on Father's Day, which is amazing. And they 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 aired the bells on Mother's Day, which is also amazing. <laughs> um, so King Joffrey died at the beginning of season four. Um, and one of my favorite parts of all Game of Thrones is Arya and the Hound and their event- adventures. It was amazing. They had a, a good portion of that was during season four. So they had a lot of Arya and the Hound. And uh, and specifically, I like uh, Peter Dinklage was so good. I think he had his best acting moments like during his trial and just him, him crapping on all the people of Winterfell and all, like everyone that was throwing him under the bus. I, I, I love that trial so much. I love like in the scenes of him and Jamie too talking about the uh, their 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 cousin Orson, right? And uh, so yeah, it was good. Cool. Yeah, speaking of like great character pairings, that was another good one. Like anything with uh, the Red Viper of Dorne with with Prince Oberyn, like that's that stuff was great. Like him declaring that he was going to be Tyrion's champion. Hell yes, that was an awesome yeah. scene. Like you're right. They maybe I should have had four number one. Like thinking back on all those episodes you talk about and speaking specifically about what I just said about Watchers on the Wall and how that episode yeah. makes me feel. Like yeah, I'm, I'm always going to remember that one and season three. I mean, honestly, like all the first six seasons I'm going to remember really fondly and I'm going to yeah, have some 
some beefs with the later ones, but again, if the books can flesh that out, I'll be fine with it. Um, my, my favorite episode ever, by the way, was Wins a Winner. That's why I have season six at number two. Wins a Winner was incredible. The, talk about uh, Ramin Jawadi. Like, like, what he did for the first, like, 15 minutes of Thirsty, you know, leading up to it, like, that, like, all the music, there was no actual, like, like, dialogue at all before the set went down. It's fucking amazing, dude. <laughs> so good. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah. we've talked about the seasons independently here. Uh, any other kind of big picture thoughts on the series in review? Like, what else are you going to take away from the Game of Thrones TV experience? Do you have any other thoughts? Like, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about prophecy and like what this show tried to say or teach us about prophecy. Like, because the ending, I, I feel like a couple actually were fulfilled, right? Like, John went Nissa Nissa on Daenerys, who stabbed his yeah. lover in the heart. And then right. John ultimately went last hero with Tormund and Ghost north of the Wall, like him, a horse, a yeah. dog, and ten companions. Although it was <laughs> definitely more than ten, went north to find the children of the forest. Like, is that what they're doing? Like, is that one of the spinoffs coming? We can talk more about the spinoffs later, but those sorts of like, I guess, questions or big picture thoughts about the series as a whole. Like, what stood out to you, and what are you going to take away from Game of Thrones? Man, um, yeah, with the prophecy, like, I feel like, like, half the prophecies, they paid it off, half of them, they didn't talk about it, like, John's heritage, but, um, yeah, I just, I loved it so much, man. (laughs) Yeah, I think we might still be in for some sort of larger reveal in those future GOT content avenues, like, shows and spinoffs and whatnot, like, about these characters maybe living through some past lives or living through cycles of time where, you know, the past is repeating itself. I just hope they don't paint themselves into a, like a time travel or a causality corner, kind of like lost. Yeah. Like that was one, one of the things that lost got wrong was like, they tried to do the time travel thing and it kind of blew up in their face to some extent. And I'm, I'm worried about that happening in the game of Thrones a little bit. Right. Yeah. Introducing his red Raven. I was worried about that too. When, when grand like did the Hodor thing, you know, the little time travel, like, like, I remember Brendan Rivers said, like, the ink is written. I was like, oh, God, this better not be a whole time travel. Like, in-game, Avengers was amazing, but the in-game completely revolved around time travel. And it was kind of kind of cheap, you know? So yeah. I hope they don't do that. If you're going to give me a time travel show, make it, like, all about time travel show. And so, yeah. listeners, if you're out there looking for a recommendation, Dark on Netflix. It's a German show, but if you like time travel science fiction, that show is sweet. <laughs> I love me all time travel everything. You, 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 watch, you watch Rick and Morty? I love Rick and Morty as well. It's so good. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> You're smart. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You, you Thank you very much. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> other big picture stuff for me, like, I, I talked about this before with regards to, like, making a second season. I do think it's really challenging, uh, like, an extremely challenging task to close out a big ensemble show like this. Like, I feel like the series that we remember that had the best finales or finishes, like Breaking Bad or Six Feet Under... Mm-hmm they all had the benefit of a smaller primary cast, right? Whereas something like this was so many beloved characters and interesting storylines that Game of Thrones had to address to kind of close out the series. Like, there were just too many of them. And I want to say it would have been a lot easier if they had killed off more characters earlier. But then the challenge becomes giving those characters satisfying deaths and deaths that make sense. So I can understand why they didn't necessarily go that route. But I do want to, you know, acknowledge that this whole endeavor was a really tough ask for them to kind of stick the landing and uh, as much as i want to you know nitpick the show like they did an awesome job and what they did was probably extremely extremely difficult right they have like eight hours to do the entire like wrap everything up like essentially an entire book they have like eight essentially the eight hours so they did as good as they could have like you know people are giving too much crap but uh, i liked it overall totally yeah where does the uh king's road lead you now you think like what are you going to miss the most about game of thrones Man, the, the actors, characters. I, I love Jamie Lannister. He's my favorite character of any fictional TV show or movie. Um, that, that's that's one thing I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna miss every week. There's it was like 73 Super Bowls where everyone is gonna huddle around their TV every Sunday at six o'clock or nine o'clock and uh, and just watch something that everyone's gonna talk about the next day. I think that's what I'm gonna miss about most. You nailed the two bullet points on my list. My first bullet oh, point I? was the characters. <laughs> And my second bullet point was the weekly experience. So I totally agree. Yeah. Let's move on. Uh, prequels, sequels, and spinoffs. Like, what sort of stories do you want to see? Like, we know that we're getting The Long Night next, but they left a lot of threads hanging with uh, Arya, with Sansa, with Jon, yeah. with Grey Worm. Like, where do you want to see the Game of Thrones universe take you next? 
Man, I would love to see an Arya little mini series, like of what's going on, what is, what is she finding, you know, what kind of shit is she getting into? I don't think it will happen. I feel like there will be a sequel, maybe like ten years from now, like when Tyrion specifically told John, like, "Ask me in ten years." I could see possibly in twenty thirty, like them coming back and the actors needing money, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I would love to see that. Also, Robert's Rebellion, uh, there, it was so intriguing. I would love to see, like, the tourney of Hall. I would love to see, like, a true Rhaegar thing other than just one flashback and, uh, and Robert just kicking his ass on the trident. It'd be great. Yeah, see, I kind of want to go the other way. Like, give me all new primary characters and give me stories that I haven't heard before. Like, let me see a yeah. part of this world where we've never seen it or we've barely seen it like give me dorn give me old town give me valeria give me like essos you know, yeah. the, the roin uh the jade sea and a shy by the shadow like the summer isles if you want to go south like g- give me something unique and different like this is something that i think that pop culture gets wrong a lot of the time is instead of just living in the universe with new characters they try to carry over the same characters over and over again right. back into the universe like the, the worst example of this is the Fast and the Furious franchise, right? Where oh God. it's literally like, we're getting the band back together, and all of a sudden, the bad guy from the last episode, he's a good guy now, even though he murdered all of our friends. Like, <laughs> that sort of shit drives me crazy. Like, I, yeah. I like Game of Thrones, the world. You know, I like Star Wars, the galaxy. Like, I don't mm-hmm. need a Skywalker in Star Wars. I don't need more Starks in yeah. the Game of Thrones universe. Like, show me something different and tell me a different type of story. Because that's what made Game of Thrones so great in the first place, was that it did subvert our expectations. That it did give us stuff that we had never seen before on a TV show. Give me more of that. And uh, kind of along the same lines, like, speaking of doing something that this particular series of Game of Thrones did not do, give me better storytelling through that fantasy and magic lens. Like let that stuff come to light a little bit more in the next thing that you do. Maybe not the next thing, but at some point, like give me more of the magic of this world, explain it again. Like this comes back to my issue with brand. Like, let me know what the extent of the three eyed Raven's powers are. Like, even if it's with a different three eyed Raven so that I can apply it to brand and start to figure out what he was going through and what he was thinking from this previous series. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's so much going on in Essos. Essos, in, in a way, is more intriguing than Westeros. Totally. So much going on. I would like to think when Drogon picked up Danny and went east, I would like to think he went to Kinvara, and Kinvara is going to resurrect her, or he's going to throw her into like a, a volcano or something, and I'm ready. Like, she's going to come back. It would be so badass. You yeah. know? <laughs> I think if anybody needs to get away from the Game of Thrones, like typecasting though it's probably amelia clark uh yeah i she definitely might always be known as daenerys she probably already will be so at this point like i can't imagine her wanting to keep reprising that role whereas like someone who's a little bit younger like i could see maybe Maisie williams like not wanting to do aria in two years but maybe like in 10 years like grown-up aria or something like that like that would be amazing like give me her as brienne instead of her as you know the teenage killer you know what i mean yeah for sure man yeah, poor, poor Amelia Clark. Like, she even has three dragon tattoos, I think, on her left arm. Like, she did not think that Danny was going to go down the way it did. I feel so bad. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, that poor girl, she's forever going to be known as the woman who killed hundreds of thousands of people on a TV show. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, she, she's going to be fine. Like, we don't yeah, have to she, worry about fine. her in, in a yeah, real-world perspective, but... She's, yeah. she's already done Star Wars movies. She's she's okay. She's hanging out with Darth Maul. <laughs> <laughs> From a career perspective, like, I don't think she needs to do Game of Thrones or necessarily would want to do game of thrones right i could see some of the other characters like her actors wanting to reprise the role but maybe i'm wrong like i'd be lo- i'd love to be proven wrong like seeing her yeah. reborn like as some like fire or dragon goddess would be dope I- i'm in for that um over under february 1st 2020 <laughs> for the release of the next book in the series we waited this long give me the over over's got to be a heavy favorite right what do you think i don't know under <laughs> please just give me the under i don't care <laughs> i know even if it's one day under i'll take it like i just I, I need the book, George. Help me out, buddy. Like, the show was uh, was good. The show was very good. But right. I want to read your words. Your words were what got me excited about this universe in the first place. <laughs> I like how the, the actor that played Barristan Selmy said that, oh, yeah, George already has the other two books all ready to go. He's waiting for the series to end. And George R. R. Martin's like, nah, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> I wish like, I did. <laughs> that's some NBA trade rumors level stuff yeah, I know. right there. Like, <laughs> I, I like want I kind of want to believe it still. Like I love that tinfoil hat shit, and like the fact yeah. that the that Barristan Selmy's actor like may have like pushed it off even further. Like fu- one, fuck that guy, and <laughs> right two, getting all excited. I I would I would love like if he was right. You know what I mean? Like if the books yeah. are done, and like it's only a matter of time now before we get them. So so fuck him for potentially delaying it, like giving George more nerves or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, like. 
God, I hope he's right. Um, I hope so too. Final thoughts. <laughs> Gridiron Throne, episode 122 of Rotosauce. Uh, my name is Greg, Greg Smith. You've been listening to me and to Jeff Dumont just spill uh, all sorts of uh, bodily fluid. That's just gross. I'm not going to finish that thought. Um, you've been listening to us. Uh... I'm about to. <laughs> my shot of Patron is going right through me, man. Yeah, this tortoise red has is, is, uh, got, got me a little loose with with the vocabulary and the and the ideas on this podcast. Anyway, I, yeah. I might just keep all this in because this is ridiculous Please and do. fun. But uh, f- final thoughts on Game of Thrones, the TV show. Uh, what do you got? I fucking loved it. It was the, the greatest thing ever. Like I said before, I never liked any kind of fantasy things ever. And this show has just like taught me a whole new thing. I don't know. It was incredible. Amazing cinematography, amazing acting. Uh, I'm going to rewatch it over and over again, like at least once a year forever. It was amazing. I'm glad that it happened. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, you know, uh, I'm a little sad that it ended the way it did, but I'm overall very happy. No, I'm right there with you. And one thing I'll say is that as much as I would nitpick like the ending of Lost or the last season of The Wire, I've rewatched those shows multiple times since they wrapped up. I'm like you going to end up rewatching Game of Thrones multiple times over my life. And you can't say that about many shows. And I think that's pretty cool. Uh, so it's a, it's a really big testament to what they accomplished with the show. And yeah, I mean, on that note of you never really being into fantasy stuff before this, like, has this stirred that in you? Like, are you more interested in like maybe reading a Lord of the Rings book or watching some other like fantasy based series now that you've kind of fallen in love with Game of Thrones? Yeah, absolutely. I I started watching Harry Potter. You know, I was like, I was totally against it when it came out, but now I'm like, I feel like I owe it to the genre. Like, I feel like there's so many nods and winks to Lord of the Rings, especially Lord of the Rings, but uh, and Harry Potter. Lord of the Rings will be next. You know, before I was like, I can't watch Lord of the Rings. That's like three three hour long movies. What am I gonna do? Nine hours? And now, meanwhile, I'm watching seventy eight hours or so of of TV on HBO. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like I, I, I can I can set aside nine hours to watch three Lord of the Rings movies, right? <laughs> Have you never seen them? No, still never. I know oh, about Gollum and Frodo, and that's about it. I don't know anything else. <laughs> They're good. Yeah, you should definitely watch those. Um, okay. Anyway, uh, final thoughts for me. Uh, I've kind of spit everything out I have to say about the show, but listeners, thank you very much for indulging us. I, I mentioned this earlier, but the fact that you're willing to sit through these silly podcasts with us as we talk about something that, I mean, l- let's be real, more Game of Thrones hashtag content wasn't really necessary, like especially yeah. on a, a fantasy podcast, but... I don't know, this final season of the show was that special weekly shared experience. It's a lot like sports, like watching the playoffs or watching football every week. Like, we don't have many moments like that where many people across the world all kind of get into a singular thing. And Game of Thrones was that. I'm going to miss that. And I think that that's really cool. Um, And so if that sort of shared experience caused you to come to this podcast and join us uh, for one episode, just this one, or just a previous one, and maybe you're not even hearing this now, like... (laughs) <laughs> uh, that that's really cool, and I and I appreciate that. So thanks for listening. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, I'll be back again next week uh, with another sports only show and uh, <laughs> some other special announcements. Um, until then, Valor Mogulis, Valor Dehiris, adios. <laughs>